Hello and welcome back to Batarang, the podcast where we bring you the Batman insights that others are too superstitious and cowardly to deliver. We're reviewing Batman the Animated Series. This week, we see what two Killer Crocs in a trench coat would look like. That's right, we've got Killer Croc because it's Season 1, Episode 23, Vendetta, plus a deep dive on Croc's origins and versions here on Batarang. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sam, here with your co-host and Batman expert, Brandon. Crocodile noises. Splish, splash. Chomp, chomp. Those were weak crocodile noises. Uh, I, I'm i not in touch with my inner amphib- reptile? Amphibian? Rep- reptile. 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 Anyway, I don't know. Imagine just the sound you make when you played Crocodile Dentist and it snapped down on your hand. That was a dangerous toy, come to think of it. Yeah. Yep. Especially when you replace the teeth with actual little knives. <laughs> Or nails. Is that a thing anyone ever actually did? Like, or is that just one of those sort of urban legend things? I don't know. Was it on like Venture Brothers? Maybe. <laughs> that sounds like a thing uh, Venture Brothers would have done because Doc Shaner actually did it. Uh-huh. So you know what? Well, listeners, do your own research. We're not a Venture Brothers podcast yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we did indeed watch an episode of Batman the Animated Series. It was season one, episode 23, Vendetta, which was the first appearance of Killer Croc. Right. So more of a C for Vendetta. Yeah, sure. Fuck. Goddamn yes. Brandon. Yes, and me on this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, dial C for, for Crocodile. But this episode was sweet. Yeah. Uh, this, was, this was a really good one. Yeah, it was. It was really badass. I would go as, so far as to say if I was to show somebody an episode of Batman the Animated Series that captures the mood of Batman the Animated Series well, I might choose this one. Yeah, I think part of what I think makes this so strong is that it it is a little, like, supernatural, par- paranormal, whatever. Um, but even so, like, you never find yourself really asking, well, what are the mechanics of this, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, like, with Poison Ivy, it's like, okay, well, are you a scientist? Is that a psychic link you have with these plants? Like, how is this actually working? Yeah. There's yeah, not many unanswered questions in the in, in Vendetta. In Killer Croc is Killer Croc. Right. He's got a Vendetta. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. And uh, the joy is following it along and seeing just how uh, how violent and seedy it becomes. Yeah, and and to that end, um, there's a lot of good bits of like Batman being a scary. Like I think this is the craziest he's acted throughout most of the series. Yes. This is like if you. If you had only ever seen, like, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and then you watched Batman the Animated Series, like, you would recognize the character in this. I, yeah, I'd say this guy is crazier than Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to the bit about the, the scene in the greenhouse, but he is so pumped. 
he is. <laughs> to be terrorizing that old man. It's so great. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's get to our 22-second summaries yep. so we can tell the folks at home what this episode was really about. Cool. Boop, 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 boop. Um, stopwatch and go. A mob snitch. Oh, Jesus Christ. Start over. Start over. Nope. God damn it. A mob snitch goes missing after his boat is blown up on the way to trial. Uh, Everyone suspects Bullock, even Batman, but the detective is being framed by Killer Croc. Batman tracks Croc to his lair, rescues the snitch, then smokes our Croc by using Bullock as bait. After a final showdown in the sewers, Batman and Bullock share a grudging respect. Cool. So yeah, you would have hit it on the money, but I wasn't going to restart the clock for you because you poo-pooed my sea for vendetta joke. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, great. And I know I, I actually left some key things out, and I want to see if you pick up on them. Oh, God. <laughs> Looking through my notes. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Um, cool. And a strong man with a skin condition, Killer Croc, is the guy everyone knows is big and dumb and bites real hard. But in this episode, he frames Bullock and puts everyone on a goose chase leading all the way to mob boss Rupert Thorne, when in fact, Croc just wants to, like, yeah, make Bullock's life hard and tear out this dude's spider's throat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, surprisingly complex. Yeah. Um, There's, like, all of these like mob dubbed characters that have dirt on each other who have dirt on Bullock is the dirt on Bullock real is it made up um like what is Killer Croc's uh you know MO in this is he being put up to it what's his motivation uh it's uh there's like a lot to it and it's very like Pulp Detective-y mm-hmm. very like I took him down to the DA's office and asked him some questions and here's what like, we found out that Bullock might be crooked like uh, lots of good Batman snooping in this. Yep. Uh, yep. And uh, like you said, some really good Batman uh, like interrogations of Batman in action. So yeah. Uh, but we open up like my summary said on a ship at sea, almost like a water taxi. Yeah, I mean it's a patrol boat. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think the first establishing shot is like a police station on the wharf. Yeah. Like the police wharf or station. Or a police outpost or something. It's big, though. It might be mostly empty inside because boats are there, but anyway, it's, you know, your typical Gotham, um, yeah, cop water taxi. Right. And it's raining, it's windy, the water is super choppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the choppy water looks great, by yep. the way. The animation is fantastic on this. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this episode where it's like, again... Um, like they could have not put in these details and it wouldn't have like hurt the series right but it elevates it to what is like I mean we've already said this more or less like a great episode yes Um, yeah it's like peak cool lighting effects on Batman and elsewhere yep Uh, in fact like the only effect that was tried and I didn't like was the fog and rain Mm. Made it a little tough to see. It didn't look especially convincing. Um, but, like, yeah. it was moody, I guess. Yeah. I mean, while we're on the subject, there's one scene where, like, Batman holds up a piece of evidence, and there's this, like, clear, like, planarity of you have a foreground, and then you have your background, and it looks like this sort of wonderfully optically printed sort of thing that um, Disney tried out, I mean, pioneered back, I think, with Snow White of you know photographing multiple layers of film uh-huh. over each other 
as opposed to just drawing on a single level of cell. Um, so all that stuff looks great. Since you brought up Snow White, mm -hmm. people at home, if you haven't seen Snow White in a while, go back and watch it. It may still be the best looking Disney movie. Like the animation is incredible, and the um, like the layers, like Brandon said, are like super detailed. Yeah, well, that's because it was rotoscoped, right? So, uh, I don't know. For those of you who don't know, rotoscoping is when you have actors do a thing and then you draw over that footage, um, which is why it's lit a particular way so that you can see that that footage from behind and have enough light to draw over it, which is why Snow White seems to like glow the whole way through. Um, I mean, the movie does. Um, and then, like, that's a very expensive process, which is why a lot of that animation just got reused for um, Jungle Book, Robin Hood, so on. Mm -hmm. That and, like, home video wasn't a thing back then, so they weren't worried about people noticing when a movie was released 15 years after another. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you couldn't sit and compare them side to side like you can now. Right, exactly. Um but yeah. So after that digression. Yep. Uh, so this ship is on this choppy water. There is this mob stoolie uh, named Spider Cunningham? Callahan? Oh, let's just do a Conway? Con Con I was yeah, Conway sounds right. Yeah. Let's just do a different name each time. Yeah. So yeah. Callahan is on the ship and he is nervous, not because the water is choppy, but because he suspects that somebody is trying to kill him on the way to this trial. Naturally, the cops think that that's silly, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what What are you worried about, Spider Costco? Like, we're not, like, we're out in this choppy water. Who's going to get you here? And then we see someone, um, and, yeah, this tells us. I mean, something I do like about this episode is we always know it's not Bullock, yeah. right? Uh, because he doesn't strike me as an especially strong swimmer. But someone just plant some C4 on the side of this here boat. Right. And this is the very first appearance of Killer Croc, and we do see his body in silhouette. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't, like, it does not look like a scuba diver, right? It right. looks like this big, honking Killer Croc yep. that you see for a second. He's bumpy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, like, very deftly, like, swims up and plants this bomb on the ship and looks super cool doing it. Yep. Absolutely. But, like, we don't get the whole reveal of him yet. We only see him mostly in silhouette. Right. Yeah, it, it's, again, it's one of those things that it's tough because even though this is the first time we see him in the series, like, I mean, we've been living with, it. like, this show has been bouncing around in our heads for decades now, right? Yeah. So, um, that and his face is on the title card, so. Yes. Um, but yeah, the cops notice this, you know, and lucky them, they notice this blinking uh, bundle of dynamite or whatever on the side of the boat. They yell abandoned ship, they aren't too far from shore, and, um, and yeah, so. So they, they get their material witness overboard and, and safe. Yes, except that Killer Croc is on the scene and he doesn't stay safe. Killer Croc grabs the witness. We don't see this. Mm. He disappears as far as the audience and the police know. Uh, to the point where Bullock is like dredge the bay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is like a very like grimy uh, like cop story kind of thing to say. Because <laughs> like you're yeah. talking about taking a corpse off the bottom of the of the ocean. Yeah, it's it's only going to get grosser from here, folks. Yeah, but uh, like it's this episode is very adult mm -hmm. in its story and its storytelling. Yeah. Uh, which is something, as an adult, <laughs> I appreciated. Yeah. Um, but uh, I also want to call attention to how cool the bomb 
looks when it goes off mm -hmm. and for like a few seconds the entire sky just turns like red like a sunset yep yep that can you imagine like being like just having a color palette of like gotham night sky right we've got blood red we've got fire red we've got black blacker than black and bruise <laughs> <laughs> um what I especially appreciate about this sequence is the uh, the police like raincoats. Yeah. Um, that look like some. I mean, I think they look realistic, but maybe it's just like that they're in a cartoon. They look like some real sci-fi shit to me. Yeah. Like you know that like some artist like probably uh, probably Dini was like drawing out concept art of like what do the police raincoats look like in Gotham? Yeah. Yeah. It it's Blade Runner level. Yeah. Shenanigans. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, they like have this hood that perfectly covers their hat and then there's like this cutout for their faces yeah it um oh god it looks like yeah just something out of especially like blade runner 2049 yeah yeah um for sure yeah it's very um what's the what's the director of 2049 dennis Villanueva. yes the guy that also did dune like these would also look at, at home in dune right oh yeah. yeah absolutely um but they also look fine in gotham city yeah so uh Bullock is like dredge the bay. They're looking for the guy. They can't find him. Batman is like lurking around because I mm -hmm. guess he thought something was going to happen. We see him like jumping in the bat boat, doing his uh, his cruise, like looking for going to the dock where this was launched from, and discovering a toothpick. Mm -hmm. The kind of like hallmark uh, Harvey Bullock toothpick that he'd been flicking around, uh, and I'm like. Well, so what? He picked up the toothpick that Bullock had, but I guess later we learned that this was at a different location mm -hmm. that he could have used to plant the bomb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what, like, I guess we as as the audience are meant to piece together is like a toothpick. Um, and like you said, it is you know it is Bullock, and that puts Batman on the trail. Of like, oh, I should I should grab Harvey's file and see see what internal affairs may or may not have right. on him. But not before going to Gordon yep. and being like I think Bullock is crooked there's all this dirt on him this guy like could have like ratted him out and he was on the take and he has all these accu accusations against him and Gordon comes to the defense of Bullock yep. he's 100% positive that Bullock is clean for some yep. reason yeah <laughs> and his defense is largely um, yeah he's a real douchebag but he doesn't take bribes and like that's cool that is a cool like <laughs> yeah He's an asshole, but he's our asshole. Right. Yeah, that's the long and short of it. Right. Which Batman doesn't really buy. Right. Which is, I don't know, it, like, even what last episode when he's like, hey, Jim, you're the best friend this Batman's ever had. <laughs> and now he's like, I think you're wrong about your schlubby monster of a detective. Yeah. Um, it's fine, whatever. I mean, we've. Like, we know there's no love lost between Batman and Bullock. They don't like each other. Well, and, like, we've already established, like, Bullock, like, breaks the law on a regular basis, sure. right? Like, he at least, he at least on camera has threatened to beat suspects with a phone book. I mean, he's not worse than Bruce Wayne. I mean, yeah, but... In terms of, like, transgressing against the law. Well, yeah, but it's like that SNL skit about sexual harassment, and, like, handsome rich guy comes up with no pants on, and it's like... Hey Susan, and she's like, "Oh hey, like that's fine." But then Harvey Bullock does it, and, and he you know grabs at Harley Quinn's ass while he has some uh, fried chicken skin hanging out of his mouth, <laughs> and the the audience is like, "That these are not morally equal." As a matter of fact, yeah. 
Well, Bullock is gross in addition to being a uh, like cop that abuses his power and breaks the rules. Right, yes. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, you were talking about Batman taking Bullock's file. Yeah, yeah. He, and what I love is like all these files appear to actually be like pretty thin, mm-hmm. right? But there are so many. Um, I presume this is what I internal affairs, right? So just everyone who's had an investigation open on them, um, Batman finds it because they are filed correctly, which is how you can tell it's a fantasy show. Yeah. Um, and he hears. I don't know if he knows it's Bullock coming. He hears someone coming. He pieces out. And Bullock rolls in to steal his own file and is like, son of a bitch. Right. And this is like the pacing and like storyboarding of the scene where like Batman comes in, you see him silently flip through the files. He's not voicing over what he's what he's looking at. Mm-hmm. You only see each name for like less than a second. He grabs Bullock's file and like absconds with it. We then see Bullock come in, look for his file and it's not there. Uh, like the way that it's played out is Again, like very adult storytelling, unlike I think the previous episode or the one before, where you had like whenever there's more than a couple words on the screen, you have somebody reading it out loud as you look at it, and it's there for like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a uh, very yeah, just very sophisticated for a kids show. Um, but this does put him. Batman, that is, mm. on a collision course with Rupert Thorne. Right. Um, although I, I will say that he uh, he does take the file, at least according to my notes, um, he takes the file back to the Batcave, mm-hmm. right? And like he's doing some other research, and then Alfred shows up, and like they just have a conversation um, about, like, I just love that Batman steals this, like, protected file right this privileged information and then just leaves it out and i mean granted like alfred is the like you know bat two right like he's the second in command of the operation but still yeah um they just have a a convert and you can imagine how like alfred would respond to someone like harvey bullock sure yeah yeah and alfred who doesn't really seem to know who harvey bullock is yeah you'd think he would have come up in conversation before uh. but uh, but there's enough in this file that Batman wants to ask Rupert Thorne himself if he like he's basically eliminating options. Right. Right. The only people that would that Batman knows of that would want this mob snitch dead are Thorne, who he's te- the guy he's testifying against, mm-hmm. and Bullock, the guy who could be implicated in a corruption scandal. Right. So he's going to go to Thorne. Figure out if he did it, and if it wasn't Thorne, by process of elimination, that leaves him with Bullock. And this is where we get that the great interrogation scene that we were referring to yes. before, which is absolutely like menacing and like bone chilling. Uh, intakes, twists, and turns. Um, yep. But yeah, Bullock. Uh, no, not Bullock. Uh, Thorne is in his greenhouse tending plants. Yeah, there's this. I mean, it's that great like um, Don Corleone illusion, right? Of like he also keeps a garden, but in Gotham, right? The establishing shot is this is a rooftop greenhouse, mm-hmm. and yeah, Rupert is in there. Um, it's nighttime. Yeah. It's raining, <laughs> so you know you take care of your flowers, right? Um, your night blooming orchids. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. Does Batman like break glass to get in? There's like 
an entire like he planned this out in yeah. detail. Yeah. So first, like the lights flicker, <laughs> right. to establish mood, and like get like start spooking him. And Rupert, you can tell as this, oh my god, Christ, this again. <laughs> then the glass breaks. Yeah. A, a man-shaped sized hole in the side of the greenhouse breaks out. Yeah. And ostensibly, you're like, okay, Batman's getting in this way. Thorn goes to investigate that hole. But Batman's already inside the greenhouse behind him. Mm-hmm. And he basically, like, grabs him and starts manhandling him. Calls him a slime ball. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, I feel like children's shows, you can get away with saying dirtbag, and it just sounds so much better. Uh-huh. Like, slime ball is so, so bad. It's yeah. so bad. Um, but yeah, uh, he's interrogating Thorn. Thorn's like, what, like let spider conway talk like he doesn't actually know anything i'm not worried about it um i would have killed i would have killed bullock if i wanted to like i wish i had done it that's you know that defense um his uh his guys come in mm -hmm. with like tommy guns and shit yep and we get a an an act break Mm -hmm. cliffhanger act break uh like the interrogation is going to get spoiled but then like batman is really not too worried about this. No. He gets it behind Bullock putting... Uh, sorry, I keep doing this. Thorn, because they're both big fatties. Uh, he gets behind Thorn, puts Thorn between his men and him uh, to kind of like use him as a human shield. You better hope your men are very good shots. And this is like the most like engaged dialogue reading. Like He's just so, so much so enjoying this. Yeah, Batman is loving uh being a psychopath he has this grin on his face he's just so pumped to be scaring the piss out of this old guy yeah um well i mean long and short they just take a tumble back through over the roof yeah um and then you know grapnel to safety um and you know of course that doesn't tear out back i love how like in you know tim burton's batman he asks uh vicky Vale like how much do you weigh? She's like 110, 112, right? Then later he makes it like, you lied about your weight, basically. Uh Um, But here, there's like 400 pounds on that line, and it's fine. It's a cartoon. And this is not even the most impressive thing that the bat grapple does in this episode either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the grapple hook is like the MVP of this episode. That is an excellent point, yeah. Um, But... Yeah, he you know flies Rupert Thorne all over Gotham City, dropping him over cliffs, uh, ledges, you know, just suspending him by a rope. The typical tactics that Batman uses to scare people to get them into confessing things. Of course, like we can talk about how uh, this is the kind of situation where somebody might just tell you what you want to hear to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, but instead, Rupert Thorne sticks to his story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me. I wouldn't do that. I don't need to do that. And Batman is satisfied. Yep. And then, so he strings Thorn up. And I love how he yells, you know, don't just stand there gawking, whatever it is. Get me down, you idiots. And I love I love how Thorn feels the need to, like, he puts his men down to maintain, like, that shred of dignity he has left while he's hanging from a fire escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor dude. I mean, also, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, and... The lighting in this scene and, like, mm-hmm. all of the shots of Batman throughout this entire episode are great. We get lots of, like, lightning illuminating him briefly. Uh, lots of shots where he's just, like, a, like ink black silhouette doing stuff. 
mm-hmm. uh, his like being reflected in a puddle in a pothole in gray. There's like lots of cool stuff. Well, and speaking of like being reflected in the puddle, we have already checked in on Spider um, in Croc's cave, right? Yes. yes. And he's like, the no, not you kind yeah, of thing. Which I hate, but fine. Yeah. Because um, also, like, what, like, I hate it when that's used as, like, a cheap way of withholding information from the audience. But what information is being withheld from the audience? Like, right. We know it's Killer Croc. We saw it on the, th- right. on the title. It's not a twist that, it's not like, yeah, it's not a twist that, like, oh, it was Alfred doing all this. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, you can even see, like, Spider reflected in the, um in in the puddles in the cave like it, it just looks so good mm-hmm. um and again it's very moody lighting and that that sort of thing um but yeah after the interrogation uh batman and gordon talk about bullock and you know batman kind of doubles down on his like there's something else going on here yep this is about when killer croc shows up at the jail mm-hmm. dressed as harvey bullock and everyone in a trench coat looks like a human. You know how when you see someone in a trench coat and you can't see their face at all? Be they the dog from Inspector Gadget, Vincent Adult Man from Jack Horseman, Raphael in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie? Uh-huh. Put on a trench coat, you look like a grown man. It's the Ninja Turtles rule. It's the... It's, the <sighs> it's fine. Again, we're in the realm of like stuff that even as a kid I was bothered by. Mm-hmm. Um... But for some reason, his hat or something is casting such a shadow over Croc's face that you can't see it at all. Yeah. And he does a decent bullet impression. That's true. I meant to check. I forgot to if they are, in fact, the same voice actor. But, um, but yeah. And uh, so he goes into... Oh, gosh. What is it? Is he stealing evidence? No. He is stealing a man out of prison. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, he just grabs him and uh, like gets away with him and puts him in the same dumb underwater cave that uh, Spider Jerusalem is in. Yep. Um, we then go uh, back to the Bat Cave, uh, where Batman is trying to piece all this uh, this shit together, and Alfred brings him uh, what he claims to be his favorite. French onion soup. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman's favorite is, in fact, lobster thermidor. I refuse <laughs> to entertain anything to the contrary. All right, how do you know that it's lobster thermidor? Well, that's what it is in Lego Batman, and I find that much funnier. Ah. Because <laughs> he's, he's standing there in his bathrobe, but with the bat mask on, and it's Will Arnett saying, Lobster thermidor, my fave! <laughs> and he also microwaves that which sounds fucking disgusting. Oh my god, to me. he microwaves lobster thermidor? Well, because it gets cold, because he's Batman. Uh-huh. As opposed to, again, in Batman Returns, Alfred, the soup is cold. It's vichyssoise, so it's supposed to be served cold. And then that never pays off again. The the Alfred brings Batman food scenes are so weird. Yeah. And there's so many of them. It's like Batman so demonstrably does not care about food. Um, until he does, right? Until the story is like, yes, he has to like choke down a steak, even if he's like, you know, has a cold from visiting Siberia and like fighting, um, you know, fighting Red Claw there, whatever, right? Um, or if he's all like scarecrow gassed up, right? He will still like, yeah, go to a restaurant, like order a blue steak and another one uh, made into a smoothie to go. <laughs> Um, 
which, which is which is what he does in um, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction, which is very funny. Does he actually order one as a smoothie to get? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, when you're Bruce Wayne, you get what you want. Yeah. No one's gonna tell him no. Um, so, yeah. uh, but Batman. So Batman has one other piece of evidence, mm-hmm. and that is a scale. Yep. A scale from Killer Croc. Right. And he's trying to analyze it, and it is at once reptilian and human. Right. Um, and you know, instead of going down to um, Monty as uh, as you might in Blade Runner to figure out what's up with this scale, um, you know, he's going around and around, and we mentioned microwaving earlier. Hmm, this French onion soup is in a microwavable, pause for emphasis, crock. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, Alfred bit here. It is. Yeah. Uh, and Batman says, "Alfred, you're beautiful." Imagine if I had gotten around to the salad. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Batman goes to a aquarium or zoo or something, um, yeah. crocodile farm, and yeah. he because. Yeah, I guess he, he thinks he's going to find out what happened by going there. Uh, and he hears an over vo- a voiceover that just says, Crocodiles live in underground, underwater caves. Yeah. And he's like, of course! I'll do research about this. Um, before I forget to mention it, I mean, we're about to get to the microfiche scene, which, if you don't know what microfiche is, if, like, I remember learning about it in school. It's like, this is a way you can do research. But even like even when we were in school, like microfiche was very much on the way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, I would be shocked if people still like got taught that in school. Um, but uh, hey, thanks to Shirley Walker for writing a completely badass theme for Croc. Like this entire episode sounds so good and menacing. There's a certain like sub, like not even subdued, but menacing power in the in the sound. It's um. It sounds great. It sounds like it's just a great episode uh, for her for her scoring, and um, and then yeah, Batman's sort of under this this fantastic music. Batman is doing you know library grade research. Um, somehow he found a bunch of microfiche from Floridian newspapers about a crocodile man. Yeah, well, this is after he mm. encounters Croc, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Right, because like, that's why the theme would have shown up. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, even from like the very first scene of this episode, like the music is like really setting the mood, and just lets the audience know like something is wrong here, like something is about to happen. Yeah, there's a little bit of this sort of like carnivaly bayouy sound to it to really sort of evoke the fact that um, Croc was a sideshow attraction before, as we find out, um, you know, a professional wrestler, semi-pro. Um, but anyway, he and Batman, yeah, they do meet. Yes, yeah, so we get to see the bat sub, right? Because he takes the bat sub to the underwater cave, uh, where when we get a shot of Batman in the sub, he's like completely ink black mm-hmm. uh, underwater, which oh, looks cool. Yeah. The, the white eyes just almost hanging there in space. Yes, it looks so badass. Marge, could you close your eyes? I'm trying to sleep here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he gets under the sub. He first he finds the two crooks that mm. Killer Croc kidnapped. He's like gonna rescue them, and then Croc shows up to take out the Batman. Yep. And uh, like in a fairly brutal fight, mm-hmm. where Croc monologues and explains his backstory that he was a professional wrestler and so on and so forth. 
he holds Batman by his head underwater to drown him Mm -hmm. and looks like he might succeed Uh, but Batman is uh, a little more resilient than that and manages to like pretty much barely escape with his life and and these two guys yeah yeah he gets knocked around a bit with some like pressurized like pressurized water and stuff like yeah it's I once again found myself thinking like oh this is the guy who ends up uh, fighting alongside Superman guy who uh has a hard time fighting a wrestler with a skin condition. Uh-huh. Um, which, don't get me wrong, makes for a very good story. Yes. Well, we also get Croc saying, you know, I have the strength of a crocodile. And what, like, he, whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. I mean, crocodiles are pretty strong. <laughs> but, like, we see, like, he's big. Like, his size, and we see him next to Batman. Mm. Like, he's not twice as tall as Batman, obviously. But, like, mass, he's probably twice Batman's he's, size. Yeah, he's so broad. He's got a really long reach he's got sharp claws sharp mm. teeth he can uh, stay underwater for a really long time and he is easy manhandles batman like picking him up and tossing him around right so like, he's quite formidable yeah um batman decides to you know prepare though find out who his enemy is um microfiche <clears throat> yep what i really like about this is that batman says that up to now he was strictly penny ante and he wasn't even on Batman's radar. And I love that Gotham has gotten to the point where a guy who calls himself Killer Croc and is a literal mutant um, and has, I'm sure, killed people by now is still not a big enough deal to be on Batman's radar. Right. Unlike these penny thug, of these thugs who are riding a bullock and stuff. Right. Like, it's so it's either like, and Croc just really sucked up to this point if, yeah, if Batman hasn't heard of him. Yeah, like, he must have just, like, gone on a job, got caught, and got sent to jail by Bullock, and mm-hmm. it was, like, an open-and-shut case. Yeah. Um, so, again, how embarrassing for Croc. Mm-hmm. That does re- bring us, like, narratively through to, yeah, Croc is now going after Bullock directly. Because Bullock put him in jail. Yes. And uh, Batman learns that when he lo- looks at all the microfiche. Mm-hmm. So, he decides that he's going to, that Croc won't go back to his lair now that Batman knows where it is. So instead, he has to lure him out. Mm-hmm. So he arranges with Gordon to have Bullock released and expects the Killer Croc is going to show up and try to kill him. Yep. And since it's a Batman plan, in Act 3 of a Batman episode, it works. Yep. Uh, Batman is waiting in the backseat of Bullock's car, uh, surprises Killer Croc, and the two of them move on to like their climactic battle in the sewers. Yeah. I'd also just like everyone to take a moment to imagine how filthy the back seat of Bullock's car would be. <laughs> like, the uh, the bad suit would need to be laundered extensively after this. Alfred might never forgive him for it. Um, well, that's to Batman's advantage because he was probably hiding under a bunch of McDonald's wrappers. Right, and, and we know Killer Croc has a heightened sense of smell. Um, all that said, I do love when uh, Bullock gets knocked out and he, he moans, but Batman still checks his pulse after that. And can apparently feel a pulse through the bat gloves. Uh-huh. Sure. Great. <laughs> uh, there's also a really nice shot of Croc in profile mm-hmm. where we get to see... So his mouth is kind of extended out and doesn't close completely. Yeah. So we can see through his cheek to the other side as traffic goes by in the car, which is pretty grisly looking. Yeah. it's a, I would say you can call that a maw. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable word for his, for his chompers. Um... So you mentioned it's a climactic battle. I mean, I feel like there isn't necessarily a lot to talk about that other than 
Um, like, it's just, it's a good knockdown, dragout fight. Yeah, Batman tries to blind him with white, which works at least for a while. He uses Batman bat shades to protect his eyes. Sure, yeah. But, it's, like, that's not enough. They go back and forth. Um, the only real thing to call attention to is what I mentioned before with the grapple. Mm-hmm. So, in the end, he loops the grapple around Croc's wrist, mm-hmm. fires the grapple, which not only has enough tensile strength to hold up two huge guys, but has enough launching power mm-hmm. to launch Killer Croc, who's got to weigh like almost 500 pounds, yeah. through the air and pin him to a brick wall. Yeah. The the physics on that are like, <laughs> for a... For, a game project I've been looking at like trick fly fishing uh-huh. and the physics on it doesn't make any sense no and at least the fly fishing stuff we have we have video evidence I know that's real but this stuff with it it's fine what I want to call attention to is just a bit before that uh, before as you mentioned Batman drops like a city block on Croc's head mm-hmm. um, which he survives because comics um, is you know Croc wants Batman to know, hey, this is my turf. You're not in the Batcave. How many people know about the Batcave? There must have been, like, a newspaper article about it. Like, it's so wild to me that, like, the writers keep saying this stuff uh, and putting it in the characters' mouths, right? Because, like, that means something to us because we know who the Batcave is or right. what the Batcave is. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's biz- it's bizarre. Yes. It's insane that people, like, talk about it in other Bat facts. Right. Like, did... The only thing that makes sense is, like, Batman once sat down for an interview with somebody and, like, ex- like obviously Summer Gleason, right. and, and, ex- and explained some of this, but, like, why would he? Right. There's a lot. Yeah. It doesn't, like, Superman does that, but the thing is, like, part of what helps Superman, firstly, you can't shoot him to death, so that, that helps. Uh-huh. Um, but also, you know, talking to Lois Lane and being like, yeah, I can, I can see through walls. Like that's the panopticon. Uh-huh. Like you better, you better mind your p's and q's, or I'll kick you to the moon. I can do that. <laughs> you'll stay, you'll stay alive the whole time too. Whereas Batman can't see through walls; he just has surveillance all over Gotham City. Right. He's, he just doesn't give a shit about your civil rights. Right. Um, oh, that's one other thing I did want to mention is like the the physics of it. Like his last like hit he lands on Croc is he. Uh, jump kicks him out of knee-high water. Just, like, no way. Uh-huh. Right? Again, like, even if he's, like, the strongest, like, non-mute, like, base human on Earth, like, there's no way you get... The water has no drag on it. Um, which, you know, is on the one hand, like, it doesn't matter. It's a cartoon. Yeah. Like, it looks cool. <laughs> so, because of the grapple, the wall collapses mm-hmm. onto Croc. Then we see Batman escaping out of the sewer... And you have this moment where, like, is this going to be he disappeared and the body was never found so he can come up again? Is this going to be, like, obviously not the end of a, of a villain, but Batman emerges from the manhole and then pulls up Killer Croc and flops him onto the sidewalk mm-hmm. while Bullock stands there armed with a pistol ready to take him into custody. Yep. And the two of them, this is like the denouement, like the two of them kind of, like, share a nod and Batman is like, we both care about the law. We just do it in different ways. Which is not true in a lot of ways. No, I yeah. don't think either of them actually care about the law. Right, yeah. They like probably they have like a moral code. Right. They don't want like decent people to get hurt, and they 
maybe take a little too much pleasure in hurting bad people. Yes. Um, but they have, like, this grudging respect. I don't know if that, like, persists to other episodes or if it goes right back to Bullock hating Batman and Batman hating Bullock. I'd say it maintains attention because we still have um, a bullet for Bullock coming up. Yeah. So, you know, he... It's hard to imagine an episode, like, one Bullock swallowing his pride and asking Batman for help. Yes. So... I think this represents some progress, but it's not in a, what is usually like, what I find a nice turn for television is there's like the status quo is shifted, right? Whereas a lot of good writing is about like, it was A and now it is B and it doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I think there's something satisfying too about seeing a character with a lot of bad traits like do a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, we see that again and again. And, like, I think good shows, like, can ride that tension for a while. And, like, you're always hoping for them to do the right thing. So when they don't, it's actually disappointing. Right. But, like, if they never, ever do the right thing, then it ceases to be surprising. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what about a body count? Man, some people were going to die on that boat. There's just no way. So I'll call that, at like, a generous... Two, there at least a couple dudes would have died on that, on that blown up boat. I mean, with the size of that explosion and then into that choppy water, I think they would all would have died. Yeah, so we, we can we can call this in like the two to ten range. I don't I don't remember exactly how many cops are on the boat. I think it was four. Yeah, so about five dead there. Yeah. I'd say is reasonable. And I also don't understand, like obviously because it's a kids show, mm. but like why is Croc? taking these people to an underground cave and leaving them there instead of just killing them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So... He doesn't need anything from them. No. So we can call that six. Yeah. Um, like, those people, like, at best, were probably going to starve to death in that cave. And then, uh, past that, um, that all that rubble gets dropped on Croc. Um, I don't care. How? Yeah, that's what that brings up to what six yeah, seven six or seven yeah yeah um because hachi machi like it's like when you think of like okay even if he, his head is 10 times stronger like a one pound rock lobbed at your head with any velocity is doing real damage yeah and this is like piles of bricks right just like falling yeah on he's head. done so yeah. um it was it's funny because um last night um my partner and I watched uh, Jungle Cruise um, because I I love her, so I let her do these things to me. And it's weird watching watching this in live action, right? It's one thing in a cartoon where you're like, oh yeah, no, Croc would be goo, but like you see a, a man fight a leopard, and it's like, okay, no, there would be so much blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, whereas in this, Killer Croc comes out of the sewer without a mark on him. Yeah. Um, because they didn't do a regular croc in a messed up croc character design. Right. Uh, so not like the Clayface episode where they had like a million different character designs oh for croc. But that, but the work went into different places in this episode. Yeah, yeah it still shows for yeah. sure. Uh, I, I feel like we should call out croc character design. Mm -hmm. Like he looks cool. Yeah. He looks scary. He's like the bumps and knobs on him, like the gross teeth. Like, I think it's a great character design. It works well in this. Absolutely. It's just enough. Yep. Yeah. So, cool. Um, where do you want to rank this? Upper end, yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't say that it beats out um, our like highest watermarks, um, but I'd put it in like the upper like four or yeah. five. Yeah. I like during the beginning of it, watching it, I was like, this has potential to be number one. Mm-hmm. And the reasons for that is how like moody it is, how adult the storytelling is, how good all the animation is. Like the fact that it's a great Batman story, it has a honest. It's like it's a CD story about revenge on mm-hmm. a on a cop, but with an honest to god supervillain. Yeah, like it's hitting all these buttons. Batman is doing the detective work. It has good relationship work between him and Bullock and Gordon, um, and Alfred and Alfred. Um, so like, it is great. I just think it's not quite as good as Two Face and Pretty Poison. Yeah, which still just had. Um, just like much better like I don't know film technique in it yeah yeah so I'd probably put it at number three cool yeah I'd say that's about right absolutely um cool so do you have uh Preguntas Para Mi si uh let us ask some questions obviously today we're interviewing about Killer Croc yep gonna start off with our boilerplate question when we have a new villain appearing, how and when did Killer Croc first appear in Batman? Uh, so he first shows up in the 80s. Um, so that's which a pretty is, fresh character. Which is late, yeah. yeah. Um, but that said, um, the sort of stock, like, yeah, he's a circus freak to some extent. Like, that's always the same. Uh-huh. Um, so, yep, yeah, uh, he shows up in the 80s. Uh, and pretty much the way um, the way we see him now um, so yeah do we know what that story was about was it about like was it similar to this where he is a two bit criminal getting revenge or was it like some other type of uh, croc story uh, so it was I think more like so it was more like standard um, Batman-y stuff um, but like I'm robbing an underwater bank. So, so it matters if it's pre-crisis or post-crisis. We're not going to get into what that means right now because we don't have time for that. Um, so, pre-crisis, it was like um, he's just a general bad guy who supposedly killed Jason Todd's parents. Cool. Okay. Um, that's the second Robin. Again, we're not getting into this right now. Um, and that's the the long and short of it. It's just he did, you know, um, just general crimey stuff. Uh-huh. Um, Post crisis, uh, it's basically this same story: uh, revenge on Harvey Bullock and two criminals who got him in jail. Yeah. Oh, so was that in this episode? The two criminals actually were also um, like witnesses against Croc. I think so. Yeah, I think that's why he wanted. Um, I feel like I missed that. Yeah, I don't know. It's not super clear because it all seemed oriented toward Bullock. Bullock, yeah, to frame him. But in six of one, like it's pretty, um, it's pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, what is his actual deal? Like, what makes him Croc? Is it like a birth defect? Is it a mutation? Was he experimented on? Um, like, what is it? So it. 
again, it depends. Really, uh, Croc is one of those characters that they play kind of fast and loose with that, right? Where sometimes it is, I mean, I mentioned, um, and this is the case in Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo's Joker, which is a very grounded Gotham City, right? He is just a, a big dude uh, who's ashy. Like, that's it. Like, he just has bad skin. It's hardly more than that. Uh-huh. Um, versus, um, <clears throat> you know, in, in a lot of these where, yeah, he just has atavism, more or less. Like, he just has a birth defect. Um there are other times where it is like that there was some experimentation, he was mutated in some specific way. Um, in the uh, storyline Hush, that's basically what's at play, is um, he's his mutation is progressing, um, so he gets more and more uh, monstrous. He even shows up in the, uh, the Batwoman series. It's in the volume um, World's Finest where she teams up with Wonder Woman, and Croc becomes the avatar of the Hydra, basically. Okay. I think it's rad. I think... Right. <laughs> what does it mean to be the avatar of the Hydra? Like, okay, Does so something, something magic happened to him? Yeah, yeah. One of the, like... So that's the thing. is one of the overarching, like, themes of a lot of... Especially like, those first few years of Batwoman stories, where um, she's a more or less normal woman dealing with a lot of supernatural shit. Mm. And, you know, the Greek gods get pulled into it whenever Wonder Woman gets involved. Yeah. So everyone has to sort of fill in this like role within the myth, right? Which makes, you know, um, to an extent, uh, Kate Kane a sort of Pericles kind of character um, in how the how the myth is being reenacted in Gotham. You know, that old chestnut. Right, and of course, Killer Croc would become the avatar of the Hydra. Exactly. Makes sense. Yep. Uh, in, what was it? Uh, Working Through the Pain, Killer Croc has a tail, I believe. Yep. Yeah, he's like much more of a monster than like a regular dude. Yeah, and that's um, and that's the sort of anime um, compilation movie set between uh, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Yes, um, which is it's pretty rad. Um, and and again, like that's the thing is that really it's whatever looks best for that specific story. Uh huh. So, uh, we like that Killer Croc is a physical threat to mm -hmm. Batman. Yeah. Um, but what makes him a good Batman villain? Like, how? what earns his place in the Batman rogues gallery and makes us want to see him again? I think... I think what's cool is he is a intelligent enough, like, creature, right? Like, he sees himself as so divorced from humanity, he doesn't think of eating humans um, as cannibalism, Right? Like, he ate the um, the hand of, oh gosh, I forget his name, um, Aaron Cash, one of uh, the GCPD, um, although he was uh, Arkham uh, security when Croc ate his hand, right? Like, to Waylon Jones' mind, that's, he's not human. He's just eating a, he is eating a human. Um, so it's to that extent that he's just so unlike Batman, right? Uh, Batman sort of puts on animality to scare people, but that's just what Croc is. If he acts human, that's what is is the performance. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, one of his like first appearances was in the Nightfall story, um, where poor dude, he got set up to be like, you know Bane is a badass, because he shows up on the scene and beats the Christ out of Croc. Oh, they, they Lieutenant Warfed Killer Croc? Like, so hard. Um, like, 
Bane actually like breaks his arm and then that that damage is sustained through issues, right? So you know it's a big deal when from one month to the next. Mm-hmm. Um cuz yeah, like he's not smart. I mean there that even shows up in that hush story. Croc's not behind this. He's not smart enough, right? So that's the thing is that part of what like makes him interesting to play around with is that he is only a physical threat to Batman and he knows it. He's not interested in outsmarting him like Riddler or Joker, right? Um, he can't go toe-to-toe with him mentally and physically the way Bane can. He just eats people. <laughs> He's just uh, makes up for what he lacks in intelligence with, like, brutality. Exactly, yeah. He's just he's just a scary dude. Yeah. I think that's it. It's, like, it's that nice way of, like, I don't love it when Batman does, like, a straight-up, like, Batman versus the werewolf or versus Dracula story. But this is a monster. Right. So this particular episode, yes, it's about Killer Croc, Mm -hmm. but it's not really a story about Killer Croc's origin or his character. It's really a story about Harvey Bullock, about um, it's a crime drama. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about like internal affairs investigations and trust and all of those things. And, like, I think those are the things that make this episode great, in addition to the fact that Croc is is so dangerous and so striking in his character design. Yes. So what makes a good Killer Croc story? Because they they can't all have uh, internal affairs investigations and, uh, like, stoolies getting blown up on the sea. Yeah. I mean, it, it it would make sense for Gotham, but it would be very satisfying. I think that after this, and I mentioned this when we were talking earlier, is after you've seen Croc get beat up, you have to do something different with his character, right? Um, And we talked earlier about how, like, um, in subsequent episodes, I mean, most famously in Almost Got Him, right, he becomes kind of a joke. Um, And, you know, he's like, oh, I once threw a rock at him. It was a big rock. Whatever. Um, Though that wasn't actually him, but yeah. Yes. Um... The the flip side of that is there are really great croc stories when he's trying to be human, right? In Hush, he is trying to get, like, he's trying to find a demutation cure, uh-huh. right? Um, there's um, an episode later in the series where he tries to become, um, like, basically live with other former Sideshow freaks and, like, function as a person in a community. Uh, there was a really great issue of the tie-in comic for this series where he falls in love and hmm. and like the cover is so great because it's him like looking pumped to be walking down the aisle with like a bouquet of flowers for for his you know beloved lady um of course in his other hand he's dragging behind an, an unconscious batman um, <laughs> that's a great image it, it it's a really good cover so that's the i think that's it is like he is in that respect like Sort of like um, Ben Grimm from Fantastic Four, if you were a villain, uh-huh. right? Like that's what makes him compelling. Is like he's a freak, um, and even when he tries to be good, he just he doesn't know how. Um, and it's really hard to try to like be a good person when people look at you and are terrified or repulsed, right? This also shows up in Penguin stories. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. 
Well, I think that's not the last we're going to see of Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he comes back this season, but I know who does come back this season, the Scarecrow, because mm-hmm. next week we are doing the second Scarecrow story in the series, Fear of Victory, the football one. The football one, which does... This marks the first, like, regular uh, regular series appearance of Robin, right? Does it? Because he's in Christmas with the Joker. Yes. But I don't think we've seen him since then, have we? No. So, yeah. Oh. We get the football one. <laughs> nice. Well, tune in for that. It's got everything. Uh, same battering time, same battering channel. Thank you.